Money, a podcast network that understands the assignment. The Alive Podcast Network has launched the world's first content distribution app tailored by and for podcasters and listeners of color. Subscribers will enjoy a wide variety of shows ranging from spiritual to comedic to inspirational. Podcasters can house their content and merch in one spot and monetize from a central location. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com coming soon to iOS and Android. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. You can thank me later. Welcome to Transformational... Welcome to Transformational Thinking with the Hulk. Today we have a great subject that we're going to be talking about. How to deal with and survive the suicide of a loved one. We're thankful for our special guest that we have today, Lisa. It's going to be a great conversation. We're glad you joined us today. Sit back. Let's get ready for an exciting episode today. Let's help some people. We want to help you today. Today we have a very special guest with us. Lisa is here with us today to tell her story. We're going to talk about ways and tools that you can use when you're dealing with a crisis such as suicide. Thank you, Lisa, for joining us today. We're glad to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. It's going to be good. So we appreciate your willingness to share your story with those that are listening. Okay, Lisa, we just want you to now just tell us a little bit about your upbringing, your childhood. Help us to understand some of the things that you dealt with very early on. Well, first of all, I was born to a single mother. Um, I don't know who my father is. And then she had four more after me. Um, She had lots of boyfriends and I had stepdads. And that made me feel very lonely very sad that I couldn't tell who I belonged to, um, who made me, who helped to make me. She never would tell me, and it made me feel real bad because my brothers and sisters had her last name, but I had my grandparents' last name. And it was really hard growing up not knowing where I came from. That That is very interesting. Thank you for sharing that because I just want people that are listening to understand that the detachment or the lack of identity for many of us trying to figure out who are we, why are we here, what happened, and who are those people that are responsible for our existence becomes a very challenging thing that we bring up even into our adulthood. So when you were a child, how old do you think you were when you started realizing that, hey, my name is different, I feel like I'm different than everybody else, or maybe even invisible? How how did that come about? Talk about it a little bit. Um, when I first started school around about six years old, and when, we, when she went to register me for school, I realized her name was this and my name's that. And when she registered my little brother, his name is the same as hers. And that's when I started to realize, why is my name not the same as theirs? Why won't you change my name? And she said, because that's not your dad. And then she wouldn't tell me who my dad is, where he is, not even what he looks like. So that kind of made me worse off in school because I'm sitting there thinking, 
who am I? How did I get here if she won't tell me? And she just still don't tell me to this day who my dad is and why my name is not the same as their name. Do you feel like that left a void in you, a sense of lack of identity? Yes. Uh, I still feel like it's a hole in my heart because I can't seem to find who this person is. And I don't want to hurt my mom, but I still feel like I deserve to know where I came from. That is important. That is important. And so many people today are struggling with that same issue. And um, I know your story is going to help them. So when you begin to get older, at what age did you really start to rebel or resist um, the authority of your mom? At about 13 is when I started liking boys and stuff because I've seen her with different men and I felt like, okay, what's so good about if she can have different men in her life, why can't I have a person, a male in my life? And that's when I started rebelling against her, you know, letting her know, hey, I'm a female, I should have a male in my life. You have plenty of males in your life. And what? So, how did she respond to that? Uh, yeah, punishments, spankings, you can't do what I do. I'm the adult, you're the child, but not giving me really an understanding of why she did the things she did. So what ended up happening? Did you end up leaving home? What What happened after that? Well, rebelliousness. I did finally get a boyfriend. I did, as soon as I got a boyfriend, I got pregnant. At the age of, I got pregnant at 15 and a half. I turned 16 and I had my baby. And we bumped heads so much, me and my mom, that I finally moved out with my baby daddy. How old were you then? I was 16 and a half, and I was going on 17 when I left home. At 17 out there, with no job, no no one taking care of us. We were on assistance, and that was real bad because we never had any money. Always broke. Wow. So when you moved in with your friend, did he have any stability and did you have your child there? And how did you all deal with trying to raise a child? Well, I moved in with with him and his parents and um, we got pregnant again, trying to be grown and they put us out. So we were moving around from place to place with one child and one child on the way. Finally, when I got uh, a government-assisted apartment, that's when he decided he wants to go out and be free and do what he wants to do. And he left me at this old, raggedy old apartment by myself with two kids. Like, one was two years old and one was a little baby. And I was there by myself. And he just ran the street. Did we want to do? He had a lot of other women. It was it was horrible. It was just real bad. And then when I decided I want to go somewhere, I we got into arguments and fights and everything. So it was real bad at that time. And in between that time, we got pregnant with another baby. So, yeah. So at what point did you kind of end up getting into the crack drug addiction? How, how did that come about? Well, my children were teenagers by the end, and um, my youngest one was like 13. And there was this other guy, my oldest son's father, who had a party house 
I really liked him. He was really popular. He, to me, had it going on, and I wanted to be in that crowd. And so I started hanging out at his house, and he had drug parties every weekend. And at one of the parties, he blew some smoke in my mouth, and I thought it was marijuana. And come to find out, it was crack cocaine smoke. And from then on, I wanted that particular thing. Everything else was null and void, children, my own apartment, my job, everything. Just didn't care about it. All I wanted was that drug. So it's amazing because here you're saying that not only had you lost a sense of identity, not knowing who your dad was, seeking love in all the right, wrong places, having children, trying to find that, I guess, that love, that connection that made you feel better. And the next thing you know, you have someone who has introduced you to a very serious drug, very addictive drug. And at that point, once again, you lost yourself in the drug. Is that right? Yes, yes, so very much so. tell me about that experience, how long it lasted, what you went through during that um, situation. Because I've thankfully you're, you're no longer addicted, and that's a, a real, real blessing. But tell me about that place in your life when you ended up addicted and how it affected you and what happened at that period of time, and how long did it last? Well, when I got addicted, I left my apartment, I left my teenage children in my apartment alone, and I went to his apartment, which was the party house, and I was there for a year and a half. And in the beginning, it was good, we had fun, and then all of a sudden, uh, it was fights, and you know, then I started getting sickly, and it became a nightmare. Um, not only did I get sick, um, my youngest son was taken from me by his father's um, father, his grandfather. And then my uh, apartment was about to be taken from me because I wasn't there signing the papers that I needed signed and things like that. So my oldest son called and said, Mom, if you don't get home and sign these papers, we're going to lose our apartment. So between me getting sick, me losing custody of my son, and then almost losing my apartment. I've already been homeless. So I rushed home, and once I got home and signed papers and got everything straight, I came to the realization this drug and this person is destroying my life. So I decided to stay home. I went through a lot after trying to get off of that stuff. And I cried and prayed, and it was really hard, but... I, I got through it, and I was only there for like a year and a half. A lot of people are there uh, way longer than that, but you still can get through it. It just takes day by day, and it really hurts. You really cry. It hurts really bad when you can't get it, but you can get through it like I did. Well, that's what I want to remind people of, and that was so important that you shared that, Lisa, because there are so many people who are bound by drug addiction that do not really know the power that they have. And I just want to say, um, as a reference point, as we move forward and deal with other things, that that shows you, and, and this history of trauma and heartache and disappointments uh, and your ability to fight this addiction 
and become free of it without any counseling, without any rehab, says a lot about who you are, the strength that you really have, and the power that you have. And, and it's just awesome that by the grace of God, you had the ability to get over that addiction and live free from that addiction. I, don't, I want you to understand that is no joke. That is not something to be taken lightly. And you should be proud of yourself. You. And you should pat yourself on the back and celebrate the fact that you had the ability to overcome such a terrible addiction. And then think about that as we move forward in this conversation. So at some point in time, uh, down the road, your children are doing good. You have grandchildren now. You're off the drugs and you're uh, trying to, you know, recover and get life on the right track. Right. And all of a sudden you get this call concerning your son. Please tell us about that. Um, okay, well, my it's my second to the youngest son. He was 32 years old, and he showed me no signs of depression or anything. I know that him and his wife were in the process of separating. And um, one day they just called me and told me he's gone, and I kind of lost it. My thinking then was, why not me? Why did he have to go? Why can't I go before him? And I, I really lost all sense of everything, hope, time. My mind was just gone. I just wanted to go and be with him. I mean, even up until this point, I wanted to just be gone from this planet because everybody knows that was my baby. Every even my other sons known that was my baby. He was the one that I was closest to, and he um, committed suicide. His three children were in the house. His oldest son saw the body, and um, it's been really hard on all of us. Um, I feel like it's harder on me because, first of all, he was my child. He went through a lot when he was a baby. He got burned on his head. He got burned on his head. He did a lot of falling, had had a lot of broken everything, and and he just was so close to me because of all of that. And went to take his life like that, I just I just lost it. Everything just didn't mean anything to me. And um his son, the oldest one, is now in counseling because of it. It's just a lot going on because of that one person being gone and the way that it happened. Um, it's like suicide it doesn't just affect that person, that person's gone, but it also is a big ripple effect that affects the whole family, all, even down to his grandparents and everyone that was involved in his life. It, it was a big ripple effect, but his children took it hard. I'm taking it really hard. It happened back in October of 2021, and I'm still fighting to not cry every day. I'm still fighting to get up and do what I need to do every day. And it's, it's, it's a hard thing when someone takes their life and you, you were really, really close to them. This is amazing, uh, and this is a situation where I really want to take the time to say, um, you know, when we go through crisis, when we go through those dark 
periods in our life because nobody is ever prepared. No mother is ever prepared to lose a son or a daughter. Uh, really, it should be the other way around. And I can understand why you're saying, why couldn't it have been me instead of him? At the same time, when you look at this, when you look at this situation, you also have to remember that immediately when things like this come, these thoughts that come into our mind, these these this thought that says, why am I here and what's left for me, are thoughts that come naturally as a result of these kind of crises. But that's when you need help to dig down deep and look into your heart because your head will tell you some really tragic things to do, how to handle this type of crisis, how to handle it uh, in your own way, your form and fashion. But at the end of the day, your heart is the place where you can get healing and you can get hope um, to move on because, number one, uh, when we're feeling this kind of pain, we don't think about anybody else. We don't think about the other children. We don't think about the grandchildren. We don't think about the fact that even our loved one who is now deceased would never want that to happen to his or her mom. And so when you dig deep in these situations and kind of think about the fact that, you know what? You can help some people. You know what? Your sons and and your children that are left and your grandchildren need you and the strength that you have. And what would they do if you took this same situation? And, of course, your strength is in the ability to handle your survivor. Your whole life is about not being a victim but being a survivor. And getting that victorious mindset uh, in your heart and in your mind so that you can press forward. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and be insensitive and say, I know how you feel. Uh, because nobody who has not experienced this type of loss could ever know how you feel. But we want to be here and... Uh, be a support and support those that are out there that may be thinking about suicide or may be hurting. And so if somebody out there is considering suicide, listen to the pain in his mom's voice. Listen to the loss and the hurt that you hear out of her soul and consider doing it a different way in terms of going and reaching out and getting some help instead of taking this action that's going to leave so many people in so much pain. And of course, your son could not have been thinking about the effects that it would have on you because at that time, he was so into his pain and his hurt and his disappointment that he was going through that he didn't even stop to say, yeah, but I got a mom. And that's the danger of not reaching out and getting help. And that's why I'm glad you're here because we're going to take the steps to try to get you moving with baby steps towards healing 
and towards moving on with your life. So the first thing we suggest to you is getting counseling, setting yourself up for a regular uh, appointment for counseling, therapy, whatever you may want to call it. And the question I have for you, are you willing to do that? I am. I am. Okay. So why or how have you been handling this pain by yourself without going to get counseling or therapy? What do you think that's all about? Um, I just didn't want to open up to anyone new. I I just been holding it all in, crying and praying. And, you know, I, I really just didn't want to talk to a stranger, you know, about what's going on, especially thinking that person's not going to understand how I'm feeling. That person's not going to know what to do with me, uh, especially, you know, it's not just the fact that he's gone. It's the fact that what everybody is feeling right now, that he's gone, you know? Right. So now uh, you're at that place, and I think the process of getting to a place where you're willing to open up and get some counseling and therapy is a sign that you're stepping in the right direction. And there's no overnight um, answer. It's just you taking one day, one step at a time, and realizing that you it's okay to reach out to somebody and let them help you get through this process. So um, journaling is another one. Number two, journaling. And I want to encourage people that don't understand the power of journaling uh, to really take heed to this because when you're in deep pain, toxic pain, when you're dealing with trauma and all kinds of issues, especially that attacking your mind, one of the healthiest things you can do is journal. And I'm suggesting to you that you start journaling. And I think you have uh, began to do that. Is that right? Right. Uh, yeah. How far have you gotten with your journaling? I've gotten two days worth so far. Okay. Are you committed to doing it every day? I'm committed. I am. Okay, because you have to do your part, right? And when you want to get help and you really want it, you have to be accountable and do your part, and everything else is going to work out just fine. So when you journal, how is that going? Do you journal once a day or twice a day? What What does that look like right now? Right now, I started off at once a day. Um, I, I would work right at night. And then this morning, I, I said, let me write what I was feeling this morning because I woke up confused about a dream that I had. I uh, dreamed about my son last night, and I was feeling emotional, but it also made me feel to the point that he's doing okay with the dream I had. He came and he really wasn't talking in the dream, but just seeing the things that he was doing and in the dream, I knew that he was okay. Awesome. And it made wow. me feel so much better about losing him, but not knowing, at first not knowing where he was and how he was and all that, I know now that he's okay. And to me, I know God loves us and 
He wouldn't just throw us in hell, just, you know. And I kept thinking that because my baby was hurting so bad. He did what he did. I was thinking, oh, Lord, God sending him to hell. But God loves us so much. He let me see. I might couldn't hear him, but I, what I saw in that dream, I said, my baby's okay. That's so awesome. And see, this is another thing. Journaling helps you process it. It gets the toxic stuff out. And then what I want you to start doing when you feel comfortable, and I, I suggest this to everybody that's in deep pain and going through a crisis, is journal twice a day. Get all of those raw emotions out. Just get it out. Whatever it is, if it feels bitter, hateful, anger, you know, hurt, whatever you can do, get it out. And then go back later on and look at those thoughts and look at those feelings. Take accountability for those feelings and thoughts and then make a decision. Okay, now I'm going to change this. I'm going to change my bitterness into gratefulness. I'm going to change my pain into a way to help somebody else. I'm going to use these negative so-called emotions to do some good to help somebody else because you know what the one of the best therapies you can ever have is to use your life story to help and encourage somebody else that may be going through this and this is why we're doing this podcast because you are here to share because you believe you're going to help somebody through this podcast and I do I know you're going to help people who are listening and I'm so grateful that you're here the third thing is uh what I'm going to ask you to do at some point down the road, I think is a very powerful tool, is to write your son a letter and tell him all the wonderful things about him. Tell him about your dream. Tell him that you believe he's okay. Tell him how much you love him and care about him and tell him that his life will not be in vain because even though it was a tragic experience, you're going to use that as a mom to help other people. What do you think about that? Yes, I can do that. I mean, that's really going to be hard. That's really going to be a hard thing. But I feel like later on down, once I get some of the things out in my journal, some of that emotions out and written in the journal, I think I will be strong enough to be able to write him a letter. Yeah, and, and remember now that journaling also allows you to be, what, what are you grateful for? What are you thankful for? Um, after you get all the bitterness and the negativity out, you can come back with some good thoughts, with some good memories. Write in your journal the wonderful things you remember about him. Write in your journal the wonderful things that you all did together and how you all were so um, blessed with the time that you had. So sometimes you just got to learn how to be grateful, grateful for the small things. And for every day you get up and you journal and you feel a little bit better, every day you get a dream and you feel a little bit better, every chance you get a chance to, time you get a chance to share your story with somebody to help somebody else get through life, that's a win. And you need to celebrate that victory. And I just want to say, I celebrate you for having the strength to come in and to share your story with so many people and to be be open enough uh, to talk through your pain and know that this is for a greater good. 
And the last thing I want to say to you is you got to realize there's a greater purpose for you. Sometimes we're still here because it's not time for us to go because there's a still a mission, a purpose that you have that you need to fulfill. And I believe you need to use your life and your experience just to be a blessing to others. What do you think? Yes, I can do that. Whatever I can do to be of help, I'm willing, and it'll help me also. It's awesome. Because when you help others, you get it back. When you help others and you bless others, then the blessing returns to you. And the best thing you can ever do is share like you're doing now on this podcast, journal, look for ways and opportunities to, to tell your story and help other people and continue to allow this healing process to take place. It's your healing. It's happening. And guess what? It may take some time. You're going to have some bad moments, some, some setbacks, but keep moving forward. Stay accountable. Stay in counseling and stay on the right road. Anything you'd like to say in closing? I'm just thankful to be here. I'm glad I got some of this stuff off my chest. It really helped me. And um, I believe I have a better day, a better life from this point forward. Awesome. We're so glad that you came. I appreciate you so much for being a part of this podcast. Transformational thinking. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you so much for those of you that have joined us today for this great conversation. Let us know how this conversation benefited you today from today's episode. You can follow me at Hawkins Solutions on Facebook, Instagram, and HawkinsSolutions.org. We are grateful for this platform, the AlivePodcast.com, for giving us this opportunity to share. Music is by Audio Vibes. Be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from this show today. Remember, you have the ability to change the trajectory of your life through transformational thinking. This is Hawk saying we'll see you next time.